In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who brings to us an outlaw that we can rally behind. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know how many of you go to Panama City on any kind of uh, regular basis, but uh, if you do, uh, one of the things that I have noticed in uh, going to Panama City, the few times that we've gone there in order um, uh, to go to the beach, we're uh, always, uh, never during spring break season, and so it always feels like I'm missing out on something. But um, uh, as we're, we're driving down uh, uh, off to the side of the road, there's an interesting building. And I I didn't notice it a a few different times, but this building has this, like, skull and crossbones logo out front, and it says AOA, and uh, and I I was like, well, that's interesting. Anybody who has a skull and crossbones logo and just this acronym, it has to be something kind of cool. And so I looked it up, and sure enough, AOA stands for the American Outlaw Association, which is a motorcycle gang. It is, uh, it, it's one of the local clubhouses for this uh, motorcycle gang called the Outlaws. And the Outlaws are, are kind of famous because uh, they are distinct rivals to the Hells Angels, which are probably the other motorcycle gang that you've heard of, uh, unless you watch Sons of Anarchy, and then you have an entire universe in your head. But uh, th- there's something to that name, I think, that, that just kind of draws you in, like, oh, the American Outlaw Association. You know, I want to have that card in my wallet so that I can pull it out and be like, yep, I'm an outlaw. Here, here's my card. I paid my dues. Although I don't think the American Outlaw Association probably has cards. They have lots of leather instead. But there's something to that sense of, of being an outlaw. There, there's something that I, I think we are attracted to, maybe because we're Americans, may, maybe because we kind of have in our national history this whole idea of, well, we were, were the rebels who defected from King George III and uh, told him that we were not going to pay more taxes for our tea. Good laughter. And, and, and I think that's always been a part of, of who we are as a people, as Americans. But I think there's even something beyond that, something that is uh, distinctly human, that we want to, to almost rally behind the outlaw, the person who it doesn't play by the same rules as everybody else, the, the person who somehow is able to define themselves in a way that is outside of the ways that other people are trying to define them. And and I think in a lot of ways that's what it is to be an outlaw, is to be able to define yourself without having the definitions of others dictate exactly what that is. Well, Martin Luther, since this is Reformation Day, Martin Luther was a bit of an outlaw. 
He started off his career as a theologian, and soon afterwards he began to question what was happening in the Roman Catholic Church at the time. And what was happening in the Roman Catholic Church at the time was that they were selling these things called indulgences. And indulgences were basically uh, the, the way that you would prove to God that you were truly sorry for your sins is that you would buy an indulgence. You, you would uh, essentially prove to God that, well, I'm really sorry for that sin because, well, here's my money. And Martin Luther started looking at the ways in which this was definitely being abused at the time. It was uh, all of the money was getting funneled to uh, this place that maybe you've seen on TV before called uh, St. Peter's in Rome. And he was wondering why all of this German money was going all the way over to Italy. And he began to have these kind of theological questions about, well, what's going on here? And so he asked those questions by nailing 95 theses to a church door in Wittenberg. And he wanted to start this conversation around what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, eventually, that argument, that discussion got pretty heated. It got so heated, in fact, that Martin Luther was kicked out of the church for asking these questions. And then he literally became an outlaw. He became somebody who was a persona non grata, somebody who, if you saw Martin Luther walking through the woods, you could probably kill him and collect some reward money. And so then, because of that, he had to go in hiding. And he even had an alias, which is probably the lamest alias ever. Good night, George. How boring can you get? And while he was playing Good Night George, he was locked up in a castle in Wartburg, Germany. And while he was there, he needed something to do. And so what he started to do was he started to do something that was very outlawed. He started to translate the Bible into a language that people around him could read and understand. And it wasn't the first German Bible. I know a lot of times you hear that. It wasn't. But it was a very accessible. And because of the work of this guy named Gutenberg, soon became a very, very accessible document. The people all of a sudden could read the Bible for themselves. And that they could understand what was going on in books like Hebrews. Well, as much as we can understand what's going on in the book of Hebrews, right? And he lived as this outlaw character. And so, us today, as we celebrate our Lutheran heritage with this Reformation Day thing, what we're celebrating is we're celebrating that we are indeed followers of an outlaw. That we are people that if you claim to be a Lutheran here that what you're claiming is that you have a little bit of swagger in your step because you're willing to define 
your theology by actually reading the Bible for yourself rather than having other people tell you what it says. That you're able to define what it means to be a Christian by reading Scripture instead of by reading just simply books upon books of doctrine. That does, of course, mean that you have to read the Scripture. But that is our principle as Lutherans. That we are outlaws because we look to the Scriptures for our theology. And it's kind of cool being someone who follows an outlaw. But I think if Martin Luther were around today and uh, he heard us saying that we were followers of an outlaw, he would probably correct us. He, he wouldn't say that we weren't followers of an outlaw. He would just say that we maybe have the wrong outlaw in mind. You see, the outlaw that we follow might be Martin Luther to some extent, but the real outlaw that we follow is this high priest that we're talking about in the book of Hebrews. This outlaw whom we know as Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that in this reading, it specifically brings out Jesus' outlawness. Because in this reading, in the book of Hebrews, what it says, it kind of starts off at an awkward place. And we've been having all of these super long readings out of the book of Hebrews. And now we have one that's kind of short or regular size. And it starts off in a way that you go, what on earth is this guy who's writing Hebrews getting at? He starts off with the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Thus ends the word of the Lord. Thanks be Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, what he's talking about here is this is just one small part of a much fuller argument about how Jesus is not like a Levitical priest, not like a priest of the Old Testament, but that he is a priest of another law. And that that other law, that other order that he follows is this order of the order of Melchizedek, who is a very outlawish type figure. And basically what the author of Hebrews is saying here is that Jesus stands outside of those Old Testament priests. And that all of their laws came from something that was true and good and something that God gave to Mankind, But now Jesus has arrived. And Jesus stands outside of those things as a more perfect outlaw. As someone who can give us what we need without having to slaughter bulls and goats. In fact, someone who 
is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. This Jesus Christ, this outlaw, he stands in a place where he can give us everything that we need. To the point that we then can stand in this world as outlaws ourselves. Because one of the beauties of the theology that came out of the Reformation is that it drilled down on who we are as people. And specifically who we are as people who have been saved by Jesus Christ. And who that is, is someone who stands outside of the law because of Jesus. That's really what we were saying today when we were confessing our sins, was that we stand outside of the consequences that we should have of the law. The law dictates that we should be enemies of God. The law dictates that we should go to hell. The law dictates that we should be God's absolute personas non grata. But instead, he sent to us an outlaw who died on a cross like that one so he could fulfill the law so that we could stand outside of it when we approach his throne of grace. And so as you go through your week this week and we go through this whole week of remembering that it's not Halloween, it is Reformation, Consider yourself an outlaw. Not because of your self-definition, but because of who Christ has defined you as. His son or his daughter. Amen.